Hey folks, this is Reverend Tony Lee, and you are watching another episode of the Hope Labs podcast. And I um, am really blessed to be here uh, with, um, this is really a family conversation. Everybody that's a part of this conversation, um, I have known uh, for quite a while um, and consider them all family um, and have had kind of deep relationship with them, um, have considered them as either brothers or even as daughter in ministry. And so um, I am just happy. I've got uh, here with me uh, Pastor Rosalind Riley of the Stevenson AME Church in Sparks, Maryland. I've got uh, a Reverend, uh, a Pastor Amelic Thomas uh, from the Bethel AME Church in Selma, North Carolina. And I have got Pastor Akil Dickens of the Emmanuel AME Church in Durham, North Carolina. Folks, how y'all doing today? Wonderful. Great, man. Oh, fantastic. Honor to be on. <laughs> Well, and I am I am blessed to be here with y'all. Now, I shaped this conversation because you all have the um, honor um, and the responsibility in the season to have received what I call pandemic appointments, um, that you all all went to your churches, were appointed to your churches during pandemic. Um, and I think that's a, a very distinct kind of a space to be in uh, because none of you all has been able uh, to... Um, have uh, an in-person worship service yet. So you've had to try to figure out how to go connect with a congregation as pastor um, in the midst of pandemic using technology and other kinds of pieces, but not being able to kind of do the regular Sunday morning in-person worship experience. And, and, and I just want to, I just want to talk to you all about like, what was that like? I, I guess my first question uh, for any of you, and y'all can just jump in uh, however you feel that you want to jump in, um, was uh, what was it like? Um, what was your first Sunday like? And how was it in introducing yourself to the congregation? What was that like in introducing yourself to the congregation when you couldn't necessarily go to the church and just sit there and shake everybody's hands and let them meet the pastor? And anybody can just jump in on that. I, I can start. Um, my first Sunday, um, the church was being supplied actually by the elder, our elder, Elder Hunter, Cordell Hunter of the Eastern Baltimore District. And um, at that time, Stevenson AME Church um, were having virtual services, so to speak, through teleconference. So even in that, I could not see anyone. Um, but the elder pretty much introduced me uh, over the teleconference. Um, and that Sunday, I also announced that we would be doing Zoom. We would transfer over to the Zoom format. And for those who did not have uh, phones or anything or laptops or computer that could not actually use the video uh, capability, didn't have video capability, they could still um, participate, be present via just calling in through the Zoom. and. Um, and so, yes, that was kind of weird, challenging um, to hear persons' voices, but no faces, you know, and um, um, quite scary. And, and, and of course the thought was, how am I going to connect with everyone, with my members of Stevenson AME Church and just trying to navigate that and how to build relationships um, at a distance. That's incredible. Pastor Melick, how about you? And what was that kind of first intro like? Um, and even that first Sunday? 
Uh, so I got appointed uh, on a Friday night and my first Sunday, I had to drive down four and a half hours <laughs> to preach to a church that I had never heard of. I had never been to a state I had never been to, people I had never met. Um, but uh, the they had been without a pastor for about, about four months, four or five months. And the pastor that was there before me left at the very beginning of the pandemic. And um, because of that, they just, there was a, a, a kind of a longing um, that when I got to the church, uh, they had just had their last quarterly conference and uh, the people, the, the stewards were at the church. I told them, don't come in the sanctuary. I was going to record from, do my sermon from the sanctuary, trying to be safe. Of course, you can't tell uh, older black folk nothing when you <laughs> remind them of your grandson, of their grandson. So they came in anyway, I preached. Uh, they were really excited with the sermon and immediately afterwards they told me about everything that they want to change with the church. They took me on a tour of the ground. They told me, you know, I got the whole rundown. Um, and the crazy thing was they weren't meeting. Um, I, I think no, they were not on Facebook Live at all. Their Facebook page was all but inactive. They had no website. There was no consistent pastoral preaching. And so when I came in, it was, you know, it's like, everybody had kind of scattered and I had my job over the last few months had been to gather the scattered and to surround them around a vision that was accomplishable. And I wasn't going to give them something that I didn't know could, I could accomplish because it was a pandemic. I didn't know what the pandemic was going to hold. I didn't know what was going to happen. So I was like, what is something we can accomplish? And they were talking about building a building, they wanted to build, they wanted to build, they wanted to build. And so I was like, okay, this might be low hanging fruit. And so that's really where we've been. Uh, particularly the last month, we have received approval to go forward uh, with the process. So uh, it's it's been a, it's been a difficult thing because I'm a I'm a people person. I love being around people, but I also am just trying to find ways to connect with people to let them know that I'm still present, that I'm there, uh, even from uh, a safe social distance. So, Pastor Keel, what about you? What was that first kind of introduction like? And thank you so much, Pastor Tom. The first introduction to me was, it was interesting. Uh, I got appointed on a Tuesday um, and I came down on a Wednesday and they were accustomed to pre-recording on Thursday. And so uh, one of the things everybody tells you is you, you go into a situation and you don't change nothing. Uh, so mm -hmm. I, my job was only to preach the Thursday night, which was pre-recorded for Sunday morning. And so I let them do everything normal. Uh, and the next week I changed everything up absolutely everything and so for me the pandemic has been a blessing i know some people will say the pandemic is a cut the pandemic i'm i praise god i got appointed in a pandemic because i don't know if i would have made it these first six months under normal situation or circumstances because it has allowed me literally to disassemble everything to transform everything to be able to put my touch my stamp on it and the people love it uh i just had my first church conference last saturday uh in the office i was saying pastor we went from a Cadillac to a Corvette, uh, comparing a previous pastor to me. Uh, my previous predecessor, he retired. Uh, and so where Reverend Rosalind and Reverend Malik said they, their churches have been without a pastor, uh, my, my church knew their pastor was on his way out. And so they knew something was coming. They had absolutely no clue what was coming. Um, and they were ready for something completely different. 
uh, this church that I came to, they had no social media presence, no nothing. Uh, so the pandemic was a beautiful thing because it allowed me to come in with a fresh wind. Uh, and when the people see the fresh wind and the response, it's been just overwhelming. Um, and so I'm excited. Uh, it is challenging to pastor in a pandemic because you don't know 80% of your congregation. Just this morning, I was at the gas station getting gas and the lady screaming out, hey, pastor. And I'm looking at the guy next to me like, he, he, <laughs> you want your members calling you out? Older gentleman driving a Cadillac. <laughs> and I'm looking at him and he just looking and I'm like, why are you ignoring his member? That don't make no sense. And then it hit me for a second, fool, you're a pastor. So I'm looking like, are you talking to me? And she's like, yeah, like I see you every day. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. God bless you. How are you today? Like, <laughs> like, yeah, give me your name. Oh, you're such and oh, you're some such and such fan. So now I'm able to put the families together, but you're wearing a mask. So chances are I would not even, if I saw you again this evening, I wouldn't recognize your face. Um, but it's, it's those type of situations that I have to deal with as being a pastor. But for me, it's been a tremendous blessing. Now, Pastor Mellick, I, I heard all of you mention this, and I'm coming back to everybody on this question because I, I just thought it was interesting. All of you mentioned um, the technological capacity where you were um, and the need to shift it, whether it was no website or whether it was um, no social media. Uh, Pastor Roz even talked about how, you know, she was introduced on teleconference on the phone um, and shifted them to Zoom. Um, talk a little bit about about some of the shifts you had to do, and also talk about um, if there was any hesitancy um, in moving in any of these kind of technological shifts. So um, the issue for me, my context is Selma, North Carolina, it's in Johnson County. It's about 15 minutes outside of the city of Raleigh, um, and it's a changing community. It's fastly becoming suburban. Uh, a bedroom community, but for years it's been rural. And so the issue was not necessarily a hesitance to, uh, to technology, it's a lack of access. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of our members don't have Wi Fi. Um, they, if they have uh, Ethernet, that's a stretch. They don't have Facebook. And so uh, for me, I have had, I, it, I couldn't just move us straight to Facebook or straight to YouTube because there are a number of people that because of the, the, the flexibility of the Zoom platform, they can stream on Zoom and they can call in on their phones, on their landlines. Uh, <laughs> their, their landlines, a house phone. I ain't had a house phone uh, since uh, Bush's first term, I don't think. Uh, and so what I had to do is find a way to balance it because I didn't want to neglect the elders who don't have Wi-Fi. And so I just spent the first few months not even trying to go Facebook Live uh, and just trying to gradually get them to trust the Zoom platform, to call in, having a consistent Sunday worship experience on Zoom for both those who are watching and those who are listening. Um, but for the most part, they've been really, they've been really supportive. Um, uh, even though that, that, uh, that clientele, not clientele, the, um, the expertise is not necessarily present in the congregation. Uh, one of the beautiful things of growing up and being a youth pastor, growing up under youth pastors that have always been innovative, you're always trying to figure out what are some ways I can still connect. And so I learned how to do a website. I built my church's website. I redesigned, I did the church's logo. I've been doing the church's flyers. Um, and the brand is, 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 in the words of Jesus and Mero, the brand is becoming brolic. 
Uh, and we've, I think we've added to our Facebook page about 300 people over the last uh, four months. And, um, and you know, and, and for other spaces, that's like normal, but for a church that's in Johnston County, North Carolina, Selma, North Carolina, um, it's, it's really remarkable. And so the people are making, they're making the adjustments the best they can based upon the access that they have. And Pastor Ross, um, you had mentioned that you were introduced to the congregation by the presiding elder on a conference call, on teleconference. I mean, that's how they were having service uh, when you first went there. Um, but, you sh but, but you shifted them promptly to Zoom. What was that shift like for the folks? Was there any resistance from the folks? Um, how, how was that pivot? Um, I have been quite blessed because the, the members of Stevenson have been very warm, very welcoming, very supportive. And much like um, Reverend Malik and Reverend Akil, um, the members of Stevenson wanted, they had a desire um, to do things differently. They wanted to grow. They didn't want to be a dying church. So um, they have embraced a lot of the ideas that I have brought to the church and the change. Um, there are challenges around that because um, as far as membership, um, I actually only have about 14 members. So that, that tells you I don't really have the human resources on there, but they are a faithful few that I have. And so once I introduced um, Zoom, it wasn't soon, it wasn't that long after that I um, started branching out um, to Facebook. We The Facebook page that they had was inactive. So I actually have to start another one, revamp that. Um, I met a gentleman through one of the members that was a website developer and him and I worked on the website. So I, I was like multitasking like crazy, you know, making sure the Zoom was um, flowing and our service was flowing fine. And, and my members didn't really have an issue with that. But so for those who had laptops and tablets or cell phones that had the video feature, they were loving it. They appreciated that. But those members, the elderly that was calling in from a landline, they were okay because they still could plug in. They could still call in. I wasn't neglecting them in any kind of way, involving them in the service, of, you know, the flow of the service. And then I started um, trying to move outwardly um, to the social media platform using Facebook, try Facebook Live. Um, then eventually, pretty much at this point, um, I record the Zoom services, and once that's finished, then I download that, trim it. Um, my website guy has uh, have been helping me edit those videos to push out into YouTube. So I started pushing our services out to YouTube, Facebook, and so like um, Reverend uh, Melick, I have become a producer. <laughs> my basement has become a production studio so I got like literally when I say lights action camera I am it so Saturday evening I'm literally transforming my basement into the sanctuary I have cameras I have LED lights I have laptops I have learned how to do things I never thought I would be able to do and um, learning new software for video editing so actually a lot of the videos that you see from Stevenson I actually edited it and put it all together, transitions, music, layering, and all. And also with that, I had to, um, I'm actually our, our flyer, our graphics designer. 
I've, um, I've been doing all our graphics. And, um, but I thank God that uh, God made sure I was in the right place at the right time to prepare me for such a season as this. And, um, and I mean, the three of um, Reverend Akil and Reverend Malik knows, but uh, Reverend Tony Lee is my pastor. He is my pastor in ministry. And so I couldn't have been at a better place than being at Community of Hope and, uh, and under his leadership and him allowing me in ministry to spread my wings and test and try and fail. And, and he told me, this is the place I want you to fail. I want you to fail at home. So then when we let you go and let you loose, you'll be able to soar. And, and so I bless God for that opportunity. Pastor, I thank you so much because he allowed me to spread my wings to, to test out things. And so even at Community of Hope, uh, for like women ministry or other little things that I were doing, I was actually starting to um, play around with graphics and, and, and flyers and things of that nature. And then I went over to, um, to become the youth pastor for at Embry. And uh, in my time in serving there, I started actually working with more with social media and, and posting things for it. Actually, I um, activated their social media and doing flyers and things of that nature. So I had some awesome training prior to being um, appointed a pastor at Community of Hope and at um, Embry to set me up for Stevenson and the demographics of the, the differences in membership um, and, and knowing that you will have some members who not gonna necessarily embrace um, the change or um, they may still be operating with landlines and stuff like that, and that's okay, but knowing how to embrace everyone and be in, uh, an inclusive ministry, as well as reach out to the masses that you would touch on social media. And so, um, thank God I've been able to balance that. Pastor Ross, you almost made me cry. Um, you're not supposed to make me cry on my own thing, um, <laughs> but, but it has been a blessing to kind of watch you I walk the journey in the process um, from accepting your call to preach all the way to now pastoring. And I'm honored um, to just kind of see how the Lord is using. Now, Pastor Akil, um, I, I, I want you to answer the same question, but your situation, your situation, um, one, I want you to talk about kind of the shift and the transition from te and technology stuff, but also talk about how some of what you needed was sitting kind of right there waiting for you. Um, and how the Lord blessed you, um, especially around some of the stuff with, uh, around your media ministry, um, that how God kind of already had some things kind of waiting for you um, and, and, and how the Lord blessed you there. Yeah, God, God blessed me tremendously and just showed me favor. When I got here um, that first Sunday, uh, they were still recording an analog, had one camera uh, that, like I said, they were not accustomed to doing um, really social media prior to the pandemic. Um, and so they would record on this one little camera. If you go to the very first Sunday that I preach, uh, it is in the quality is like you're looking at a black and white worship service. Um, it is, yeah. And so literally what I did that very next Sunday, I was intentional uh, to start off worship service in the sanctuary. But then in the second half of my preaching, I told him, pause, let's go outside. And we finished the second half of the worship service with me preaching from my cell phone. 
So when I did that, they were immediately able to see the difference um, from the footage on the cell phone versus the church footage. So that sparked something in them to realize, oh, we need to upgrade the cameras. Um, but unbeknownst to me, the church had already invested about $30,000 into new HD uh, cameras, an entire digital board, uh, everything. The previous pastor didn't want it. He said, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, leave it alone. So they were still operating in analog, even though they had a $30,000 board, uh, they had cameras sitting in a closet in boxes have never been opened. Um, and so for me, it was intentional the next several Sundays, uh, we intentionally left the church while we did renovations and upgraded our entire sound system, our entire media system. And so after three Sundays, uh, God had blessed and we had you know, three HD digital cameras. We had a new digital board. Um, we had lights in the church um, from members of the church who literally donated all this to the church that wanted to be a blessing. Uh, but my predecessor felt like it wasn't needed and so they weren't going to use it. Uh, unbeknownst to me um, that a gentleman I went to high school with, played football with, um, he, he got married in this church. So his entire family is here at this church. Uh, he's at North Carolina Central in the media department, used to be at Fayetteville State. So media is what he did. However, the previous pastor didn't want any parts of media. So he felt like he had to give his gifts and talents to the local Baptist church. And once they found out, hey, I'm here, uh, nah, don't, don't, don't stick with the Baptists. Come back to your roots in the AME church. Uh, I need you here. Uh, he and his family are back here. And so now literally running our boards, running our cameras. Um, and so it was a tremendous blessing for us just to be able to have the resources in the house. What we needed was in the house. We just had to hook it up. Um, and so once we were able to hook it up, and the membership saw it, they fell in love with it and was like, wow, this is completely night and day. Then uh, as Reverend Roz and Reverend Malik has explained, now we have to shift from YouTube to shift into Facebook. Now we have to shift from Facebook to Instagram. We have to get our social media presence up, create an online giving platform. When I got here, they were still just coming by, dropping an envelope in a box <laughs> and leaving. Uh, and so, Literally trying to transform everything, but God has just been blessing tremendously because everything we needed was already here in the house. We just had to connect the pieces and connect the dots to create the beautiful picture of what God is trying to do here in Durham, North Carolina. So now, in that Pastor Kill, because I, I I have watched all of you all um, as you went down and and some of your early sermons, some of your sermons, um, and and I want you all to talk about a little bit about preaching in pandemic. Um, and, 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 and what that's been like and what that felt like. And uh, all three of you, um, I, I know as preachers and you're extremely good preachers, extremely uh, talented, anointed preachers. And, and all three of you all are, are folks who, um, you know, I, I've enjoyed your preaching, enjoyed watching you grow as preachers. Um, what has it been like? And Pastor Kill, I want you to even talk about uh, how you use, utilize preaching to connect in community. Um, and, and and even a little bit about uh, about the brother at the chicken and waffles place. So for okay. me, preaching, I think God prepared me because when the pandemic hit, I was still youth pastor, but I was accustomed to preaching every Friday night youth Bible study, every Sunday night children's Bible study on a green screen. So I, I was accustomed to preaching to the camera. And so when I got here, of course, now you're just preaching to a camera once again, uh, and so I had already kind of been in the flow 
Um, but God blessed us when we um, left the church, we started doing, we do this thing called church in the community. And God would have us to go around to different black owned businesses to be able to partner and just folks so folks can know who we were. And one Sunday we were preaching at a place called Dame's Chicken and Waffles here in Durham, North Carolina, a local um, black restaurant that everybody in town knows about. Uh, and so went there, I'm preaching, having service in the kitchen. And while they're preparing a waffle batter, while they're frying a chicken, uh, I'm preaching my little heart out about uh, Genesis. I'm talking about Joseph. Um, and so while he's locked up in prison, and so the gentleman who's frying the chicken, he starts crying and weeping. Uh, and I'm looking like, what's wrong with this dude? He crying, man, don't let them tears get into that fried waffle mix. And so after the service, he comes over to me and says, man, everything that you said, you were, everything you preached about, you were talking directly to me. Uh, I had no clue. He said 10 days from that point in time, he had just came home 10 days prior to that from serving 34 years in jail. Um, and he felt like Joseph in the prison um, for trumped up charges. And so he came and got saved, gave his life to Christ, joined the church. I mean, it's doing major things, got his GED, is, you know, enrolled now in college. I mean, just on fire from God and see how God was connecting the dots. I shared the testimony that Sunday and come to find out his cousins are members of the church that I came from. So it was just a family affair dynamic, how God had just connected. So literally everything we've been doing in the community, God has been connecting, um, God has been blessing, um, even to what we're about to do for Resurrection Sunday into the community. Um, for one of our, my beliefs uh, that we can't just sit in the four walls of the church and expect people to come to us, even in the midst of a pandemic, um, but we got to take the gospel to the streets um, and be able to watch God save and bless and move and baptize. Um, and so that's how God has been blessing. But preaching to a camera, uh, sometimes it is trying. This past Sunday, for the very first time, I had about 15 people in church. I had my dancers, uh, their parents were there. So it was about 14, 15 people uh, in church. And when I say it felt good, it got good. I don't know. I was so excited just to see some new faces um, that I had my people, even after Sunday service, look, I need everybody in the church to email me a picture of yourself. Now, this is a black and white picture. I'm putting everybody's pictures up in my pews now so I can see your face, uh, so I can feel a little happy in a place. Um, but that's how God has been moving. Now, Pastor Mellick, um, <laughs> I, I enjoy watching you preach because you are part Henry McNeil Turner, part Marcus Garvey. Um, <laughs> and, and Nat Turner in the flesh. <laughs> but what makes it great is like I've watched you uh, since you were a child. I mean, literally, um, I've known you since you were a child. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so to watch kind of how to learn. And, and so talk a little bit about what it's like a uh, prophetic preaching. Um, to an iPhone or to whatever kind of cameras that you all are using um, and how that feels, um, not necessarily having to call and response or the kinds of things that you're used to. Um, just talk a little bit about that. Well, yeah, um, this is preaching, like as, as Reverend Akil said, and I'm sure Reverend Riles will, will co-sign, preaching to uh, a, an iPhone when there's nobody around, particularly when uh, African-American preaching is rooted in call and response is very, very difficult. At the same time, what it's challenged me to do as a preacher is I've wanted to get more uh, connected to manuscript preaching. Uh, you know, 
AME preaching from Richard Allen down on to my mama uh, has been extemporaneous for the most part. You, you, you might have an outline, but our preaching historically in the AME church has been extemporaneous. And so what this preaching moment has done for me is that it's challenged me to write and to be intentional about the words I use much more. I was, I've always tried to be intentional, but writing a manuscript sermon makes me more intentional about the language I use. It makes me more intentional about the references I make, uh, particularly as, as in the prophetic preaching, that you wanna get the theology right. That sometimes what you notice, uh, particularly when we saw people in, in person in church, it was easy for them to slide in problematic theology if they said it right because there was so there was so much noise in the sanctuary so many ways that you could be distracted that you might miss what was being said what happened when everybody went online and that you're no longer in that space people are paying more attention to what you have to say how you're saying it um more so than they did when they were in person and so there are people who when they were in person they dump a house on their title now that they're in that they are forced to to say something that's not going to make people jump and shout and then somebody that's next to them is going to jump and shout but now i'm in my house and i'm hearing what you're saying and i'm like hold on that um I don't know. In fact, Pastor Tolan Martin down in, in Macon said this, that this pandemic has forced people to preach the word again. Uh, and so for me, it's forced me to be more intentional about manuscript preaching. But also, I am preaching for theological development. That is my mindset, is that uh, just like Martin Luther believed in the priesthood of all believers, I believe that everybody is a theologian, whether or not they know Cone, Bart, Tillich, Everybody has a theological mind. Katie Cannon, uh, Emily Towns, you, you know Reverend Tony. I gotta call. I gotta call everybody before I get before I get cussed out. Man, um, you're gonna be. Hold on, I heard it too. I heard it. I was like, oh man. <laughs> no, no. I, I got like, yeah, no. The, the <laughs> womanist theologians, like, no, you, 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 we all. Everybody's a theologian, and we just have to equip people with theological tools. And so my preaching focus is is preaching for theological development because it's the theology uh, to quote uh, John and Beatty, the African theologian, that uh, it's our theology that informs our sociology and our, uh, that informs our anthropology and our anthropology informs our sociology. So if our theology is rooted in justice and liberation, then our sociology and the way we orient ourselves or African ourselves to the world is built through justice and liberation. But if that framework isn't there, it, it, it will end up just falling on empty ears and people think they're just at another rally instead of this is who we're called to be as Christians. And so the focus of my preaching has been uh, preaching for theological development, particularly in a space where it's rural, in a, in a county that in my city, there were two lynchings in the 20th century in Selma, North Carolina. Uh, in the city where I live, there were two lynchings of black folk. And so uh, preaching to, for, a the, for a theological framework for these people, not just clergy, but laypersons, to go into the world and be the arms, the legs, the feet, and the mind of Christ in the world. That's incredible. Thank you so much. Pastor Roz, now, um, so you are my daughter in ministry, and at Community of Hope, you came to me 
um, with an idea and an insight. Um, and you went and started a, a service for us um, in a hospital. And I will never forget, I, I came by there and, and it would be, um, I think like at four o'clock or something like that, at three o'clock. But um, and, and so we would have our eight, 10 and 12 o'clock service at the regular main location. And then you would have service at the hospital, in the hospital. And I'll never forget watching you preach. I came in and I was watching you preach and I saw a guy standing up shouting with his IV, holding his IV pole. And the IV was still in his arm, but he still had another hand up giving God praise um, at your preaching. So I know you to be some kind of preacher because um, I'd, I'd never seen, and I've seen a lot of people preach. I had never seen uh, somebody have somebody with their IV pole still in them, holding it with one hand and, and praising with the other hand. So to talk a little bit about what pastoral preaching has been like for you um, in this season as well. Um, it, it, it can be difficult or challenging at times. Um, I will say, I, I still have to give, give it all to God. I have to give it all to God um, because although I had um, ample opportunities to preach the word at Community of Hope, at the hospital as well when we started that ministry and pastor would call on me all the time to um to teach bible study and and so my advice to young preachers uh, that's coming up in the ranks every opportunity that you have to to use your gifts and to um, perfect your preaching and teaching take it even if it means teaching in church school even if it means preaching or teaching in church school, take that opportunity. And I was a Sunday school, church school superintendent and teacher, started out a teacher, ended up being the superintendent. So um, I think God, um, God always made a way that I had plenty of training. And even before I got to that point, uh, I would write sermons and preach to the pillows on my sofa. So it was no camera and there was nobody else in the house, but I was preaching to the pillows and a couple of my board of examiners, classmates, they was like, I don't get no teacher, I don't get no preaching time, I don't get no teaching time. I said, you have a sofa, right? Yeah, you, have, you got pillows, right? I said, preach to the pillows. Preach, develop those sermons, get that word in you so that when the opportunity shows up and when your pastor, my pastor, will call you up at five o'clock, 5.30 on a Wednesday and say, I need you to teach Bible study. I am not going to say no. Yes, pastor, I got it. I'm ready because I've been preaching to the pillows and teaching the pillows. And, um, and so with those type of situations and coming up, um, coming to a point of preaching to a camera, I'm not saying it's easy. No, it is difficult because you don't have that, that call and response. You don't have that energy. You don't have the people responding to you. But in that time, you know what? I started preaching to God. I started preaching to myself and making, my, making sure I'm working with the Holy Spirit. I'm asking the Holy Spirit to come on. Let's do this thing. Use me. I'm going to preach and, and I'm going to respond to the Holy Spirit. So for me, that's what has helped me to be able to preach to the camera. Now, do I want my members to be able to see their face on Zoom? And I, I, I'm always encouraging for those who have been quite resistant. I have even just told them, listen, it's easier for me when I can see your faces. 
and I can preach and I, and I can see your response. I can hear your response. But if nobody shows up and if it's just me and the pillows, I'm still going to preach. And me and the Holy Ghost going to have a good time. I almost used a different word, but we're going to have a Holy Ghost party. We're going to have a good time. And so, yes, um, it, it's, it's challenging. But one, of, and I'm going to be quiet after this. One of the things that I had to do was that at first when I started, I was sitting down trying to preach, sitting. And I, I don't think that worked for black preachers. <laughs> at least it don't work for me. I have to stand up, have my high, and I'm a woman, so I got to have my high heels on. And I'm standing and I'm preaching in my heels and I'm good. Me, the heels and the Holy Ghost, we all good. <laughs> Pastor Ross, thank you. You just blessed me. Oh my God, that whole piece about preaching to my pillows. Oh God, have mercy, Jesus. And me, my high heels and the Holy Ghost. Now, Lord, have mercy. You have won everything there for me. And I'm just so proud of your preaching. Look, I just got a couple other questions. We're going to be done. Um, uh, thank y'all so much. Y'all have really been blessing me. And, and I pray that uh, folks have been who are watching this have been blessed as much as I've been blessed just being in a conversation with you. I want to make sure, uh, because you all have shared a lot of things, uh, I, I want to make sure folks can get some tools because it's clear that there's some things you all are utilizing in ministry. Um, so uh, you all talked about kind of some of the things you use, whether it's um, how you're editing stuff, whether it's how you're doing. Um, you talked about, you know, the need to be a, a whole production studio, just about, you know, producer and editor and um, and camera person. And you talked about being graphics person and, and social media director and all that kind of stuff. What are some tools um, that, um, that you've been able to use that have been helpful for you um, in this season? Um, you, you, um, and, and, and I can start, Pastor Melick, if I can start with you, what are some of the tools um, that you think are helpful during the season for folks? Well, I'm going to let, because um, I know Reverend Akil, uh has more access to tech than I do. I'm going to let him handle the tech tools. Uh, uh, and I'm going to let Reverend Rise handle the, the tools about get, buying the right pillows uh, and, and designing the right studio. Because um, I'm, in, I'm in my home office. Uh, but the tool uh, that I believe is is not technological, uh, but it's theological. It's therapy. This is the, the the mental health crisis is not just hitting the pews; it's going to hit the pulpit. Um, for those who are who are about to start pastoring, if you have not yes, already sir. got into therapy, get into therapy, please do, uh, because the the social the, the the cognitive dissonance that you'll feel uh from having members die that you'll never meet people that love on you from a distance uh and the guilt you might feel from not being able to meet and get to see everybody you need to be in front of therapy even outside of that the stuff that everybody has carry on baggage and check baggage it's easy for us to look at the folk who get on the plane that don't have uh, a carry-on to think that they have it all together. But all of us that come into the pastorate have checked baggage somewhere. And if you do not handle that check baggage, yes, that plane is gonna go fly high, you're gonna see the clouds, 
But one day that plane's gonna land. And all the stuff that you've checked over the years is gonna come on that belt. And, and the therapy helps you get all of your baggage in order, things that you don't need to take with you into the pastorate, wounds that you need to deal with before you get into the pastorate. To me, that is, I, I'm grateful for Zoom. I'm grateful for GoDaddy.com. I'm grateful uh, for my ring lights and my soft lights. But if there's anything I am grateful for uh, that I got right before I, I got appointed, was a therapist because it helped me talk through some things that would that is saving me from potentially self-destructive self-sabotaging behavior uh there are a number of pastors who are dying early not even because of suicide but because of the um the the the, the things that we tell ourselves is self-care but is really self-sabotage Dr drinking too much smoking too much overeating that's killing our bodies before we even get the chance to really fulfill all that God has called us to do. And therapy has helped me deal with some of the bad habits that I picked up that were coping instead of comforting and instead of uh, convicting, instead of constructive. And so I think even if you get Zoom, even if you get a really good camera, even if you get good lighting, get a therapist, it helps. Thank you, sir. And I will be using the checked and the carry on baggage. Um, and I think that I, I can feel comfortable in stealing that from you um, and just tell you you owe me. Um, not because you've no, ever stolen I, you go ahead. You can, you, no, I've definitely stolen some stuff from you. So you go ahead <laughs> and do that. Look, touch your name and say, be positive. I <laughs> Pastor Roz, um, any tools that you've been using? Because I know you talked about some of the stuff you do for graphics and just some of those other things. Um, the, 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 what, what are some tools uh, that can be helpful to the people? Um, some of the basic tools that I use, I, I have the green screen. You know, I have the frame for the green screen. Um, I thank God for Brother Paul Kearney, who actually donated a lot of our electric electronics our technological equipment he donated us a cam camera so i have a you know the camcorder um have led lights i started out with ring lights now i have the led lights um of course you know your laptop ipad if you have those things available to you and you know your hid what hmidi um, cables you know you need your yeah mm -hmm. um you need your cables and stuff and um as far as graphics, I use Canva, C-A-N-V-A. I find that to be quite um, user-friendly and easy to uh, grab, you know, a hold of and be able to work with. Um, I started out trying to use Pinnacle for the editor um, that was just up here somewhere, professional. I'm not a professional. <laughs> I'm the preacher. Um, so I um, actually moved to what is called Movavi, M-O-V-A-V-I. Listen, the first time I used it, because I was in a crunch, my guy who usually edit my videos for me, sometimes we go back and forth, he couldn't do it. I literally downloaded it, did a tutorial, and started plugging my stuff in and learning at the same time and still was able to push out um, a final product that I was happy with. So Mababi was is very user friendly. So I, I think those are two 
that you could use. And believe it or not, a lot of these um, the cameras, the LED lights and things are actually not that expensive. Um, I would say um, some of the equipment in totality may have come up to maybe $1,000. You know, so you can get some equipment um, for those who are just starting up. And, and so, you know, your production may not look like Community of Hope or Emmanuel or, you know, New, New Birth and all those, but I think it, it's, it's good enough for you to get started with it and give you growing room and opportunity to learn and just get out there um, with um, a product that is accept, you know, acceptable. So those are some of the things I've been working with. Thank you so much. Now, Pastor Keel, um, I have watched you do stuff, um, even pre-pastoring and pastoring, um, in, in, in which your stuff looks like Disney Studios sometimes. Um, <laughs> he'll be sitting there talking to Big Bird on Sesame Street <laughs> in the middle of a Bible study. Um, it's incredible. So talk to the folks about just kind of some of the tools you use, um, because I think what has been mind-blowing for me um, is the quality that you get, um, but the tools you use oftentimes are just tools that everybody can use. Yeah, thank you. I think, like I said, what we needed here at Emmanuel was already in the house, but it wasn't being utilized. Um, last month during my communion drive by, one of my older members who calls in, such as Reverend Malik and Reverend Roslyn, you all have members who they can't get on Facebook and YouTube, they can't get on Zoom, so they call in. And I said, why do you call in? Well, I just don't have access to that stuff. Let me see your phone. She has an iPhone. And so the reality is what you have is in the palm of your hand. And so it just took me literally two minutes to show her how to log on to uh, Zoom, how to log on to YouTube. And it was like, you mean to tell me this whole time I could have been doing this? Like you have the access to it. You can't be afraid to use what you have. For me, and I tell pastors and preachers all the time, don't feel like you need to go out and spend a thousand dollars on cameras because literally what you have is right here. Uh, I learned when the pandemic hit, everything I record is on my cell phone. I don't even know how to use any of the editing software on my laptop or my MacBook, I should say, to be honest with you. Uh, everything I record on my phone, I go to iMovie on my phone, and as long as I have a green screen and I can record myself, what I tell pastors, go to Amazon and buy a green screen, a portable green screen, and buy uh, the cell phone ring light stand, which comes with four lights. So you're talking about spending maybe $200. If you can invest $200 into yourself, you'll get four lights, you'll get stands, you'll get a green screen, and you can have a quality production. Uh, you can just go straight to YouTube and look up how to uh, utilize the green screen, how to edit it in iMovie. It's extremely simple. Um, and the other thing is most pastors have to realize if you don't know how to do it, just talk to your seven-year-old child or grandchild. And I guarantee you they know how to operate it, how to utilize it. Uh, and you can take your worship service up to an entire whole nother level. The other thing I always encourage folks to do is to use phone line streaming. Um, phone line streaming is a streaming app service, just like Zoom, where you can have the video service and people call in. Phone line streaming gives you a dedicated line. So if you stream live to Facebook, YouTube, or whatever the case, it strips the audio um, that you're using. And so people can call right in and get your quality audio 
uh, from your video. And that's how they're able to have a conference call as a full post, the folks still doing just a simple conference call that it helps strengthen and, uh, and enlarges your reach to your, um, your older members who are stuck in the conference call. Um, and so technology is a beautiful thing, um, but we can't be afraid to utilize technology. And so that's one thing I just encourage any and everyone to listen uh, is don't be afraid. Uh, as Pastor Lee said, uh, he saw me talking to Big Bird. And one time when I was talking to Big Bird, he introduced me to a character on Sesame Street called the Yerp Yerps. And the Yerp Yerps were characters who had access to technology, but they were afraid to use the technology that they had access to. So they know how to use a cordless phone when everybody else was still using rotary phones. They know how to use microwaves when everybody else was still using a crock pot, but they were afraid to use the technology that they had access to. Many of us in 2021 have become spiritual Yerp Yerps that we're afraid to use the technology that God has blessed us to have access to. Now, ain't nobody asked you to preach. I'm just saying. <laughs> he, he preached the Yerp Yerps. Amen. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Look, I got one other question, and then I'm just going to ask y'all just for kind of a closing statement. Um, and I thank you all just so much for your time. And, and once again, I, I just want to say how godly proud I am of all of you and how God is using you in this pastoral season um, to bless the kingdom. Now, um, I want to ask you lastly, um, you all are AME, and so you all are where you are because of an appointment by a bishop. Um, bishop James Davis uh, gave you all your appointments. Um, and so I want to ask you all about the significance and the importance of, um, of the support of leadership, whether that be your bishop, whether that be presiding elder, um, and, 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 and how that has been um, advantageous to you kind of during this season. Um, if I can start with Pastor Roz, and I'll go to um, Pastor Mellick, and then Rep, um, no, Pastor Roz, then Reverend Akil, then Pastor Mellick. Um, I, I guess I'll start with top down, so to speak. Um, as far as support and um, leadership, um, I, I'm truly blessed, as all of us are, to be a part of the Second Episcopal District under the leadership of our Bishop, James Levert Davis. And um, he is a tremendous leader, um, out-of-the-box thinker. And um, I appreciate and value all that he has done in this season to equip us as pastors in a pandemic. And all the uh, seminars, all the educational sessions that we have received um, and he has made available to us PowerPoints, videos, speakers coming in, the experts that have come in to help us to make this transition. And I thank God that he is a bishop that um, has an open door policy and um, has made himself available even to someone as lowly as I am if I need to talk to him or have questions or need advice. And so um, I think that's very important when you have leaders that have open door policies that are available for you uh, to assist you and avail wise counsel. Um, I thank God for Elder Braxton, uh, Ronald Braxton um, of the Washington Conference of Potomac District. Um, it was Elder Braxton that 
once I received my appointment, and although I was being transferred out of the Potomac District to a whole different conference, um, he made available to me himself. And um, usually with his new pastors, he have an orientation. And he availed himself to me to, and allowed me to participate in that. And because of his wise counsel, because of that orientation, because he, he brought, kept me under the fold to help be able to send me out, he helped prepare me to go to my assignment and not be totally like, totally, totally like a deer in the headlight. You know what I'm saying? And knowing what questions to ask, what things to look for, how to be ready when I have my official board meetings and, you know, really. And and so I thank God for him as well as um, my my current um, elder, um, Elder Hunter, um, who is once again, an elder that has an open door policy and I can call upon him at any time. And I have called him and I have asked my questions and, and, and gleaned from him. And he has always made himself available to me as well as, well as my pastor, Reverend Tony Lee. And, and, and definitely all that he has you know, poured into me and has always been available to me anytime I need to call him. And um, I, I thank God because of the house of Community of Hope and Reverend Tony Lee and all the other pastors and leaders that has come out of that house and he has produced and helped grow. And so uh, my brothers in ministry, Reverend Chris Natison and Reverend Dr. Gerald Fosum, and, and these are my brothers in ministry that I can call on and do call on at the drop of the hat and ask um, for advice. What should I do next? What's my next step? What you think about this? What you think about that? What kind of challenges, you know, are you having, you know, or I can just run things by them. And so because of that, or if I need a mother's shoulder to crawl on, shoulders to cry on, even if it's virtually or through the telephone, I can call up Reverend Dr. Nancy and say, hey, and then she knows when I'm calling. She knows when it's just, hey, mom, what's going on? Hi, I'm checking on you. And she knows when there's a problem. She says, okay, what's going on? You know, so I, I, I'm grateful that I have all these persons in my life that I can reach out to. And if I have questions and, and they don't make me feel stupid, you know, they are there for me to help me to succeed as well as a whole host of, you know, it's dangerous when you start calling names, right? But uh, just a whole host of persons, other pastors and leaders that are there to help me and to support me. Um, and, and, and that's what the AME Church has provided for me, as well as my mem members, my stewards and my trustees who are there, you know, doing the work with me and trying to make sure we all succeed together. And um, so I, I, I'm grateful and, and I think that is the most valuable thing to have a village, a circle, a family that is there for you as you try to run, walk, crawl, scrape through this journey that we call life and ministry as a pastor. So brother, she just knocked that all the way out the box. Um, and she just ran the whole protocol. Um, but um, I would not be a good AME if I did not at least let y'all uh, talk about how much you appreciate the bishop. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> <laughs> 
So whoever I said was next, y'all can rock and roll as well, uh, because I, I think this is important for folks to hear, because I do think it's one of the um, it's one of the strengths of the AME Church as a denomination is that we do have people that we are accountable to, uh, but those people are also a blessing that they're accountable to us. As we would say at uh, at a conference, protocol has already been established, uh, <laughs> but now we thank God for Bishop and Supervisor and all that they meant. Uh, I too uh, came from the Potomac District in the Washington Conference under um, presiding Elder Braxton, and he was one of the first ones to reach out to me when I got the appointment. And that same pastoral orientation that he had, um, he extended to me um, and sent me the information and I'm able to just call and glean from um, Elder Braxton, um, my pastors, my mother and father in ministry, Reverend Dr. Granger Browning Jr., Reverend Dr. Joanne Browning, uh, talk to them weekly. Uh, and so then my big brother, I mean, there's so many that I would, there wouldn't start to name names, um, but having somebody to be able to talk to and gain knowledge and advice um, is a beautiful thing. And I love the way the connectional church is. Uh, for us, when you get this pastoral appointment, you go to pastor um, and there's not a pamphlet, there's not a handbook, there's not a how-to guide. Uh, when I first got here, I was shocked because one of the first things they asked me was, after annual conference, you're supposed to uh, do the trustees and appointments, the appointments and, and you know, elections. And I said, well, what'd you do that for? I came from a church that I wasn't accustomed to that. I had no clue what to do. And they said, fool, didn't you read the discipline? Uh, and we just gonna leave it at that. Um, and so I'm, I have to call on people. I mean, Reverend Malik, Reverend, I call on folks all the time. Hey, what is it, a church conference? What, I ain't never seen a church conference and I've been AME my whole life. Uh, so when I call my father in ministry, he laughs like, yeah, don't follow my model. Uh, and so there's something that I just don't know, but I'll just say this, um, that one of the, some of the best advice I got because we are a connectional church uh, was by a pastor in the first district um, who God just called home by the name of Pastor Frank Smart. And the advice that he gave me one, probably about a month or two ago uh, was, um, to learn your people, to learn the culture of the church that you're going to. Nobody's ever shared that with me. Nobody ever told me that. Um, and when he shared that, he shared how he, when he went to several of his churches, uh, was instead of, instead of trying to gain a vision, take time to learn what they like. Uh, take time to learn what their passion is, what they love. Uh, and I thought about it. I said, you know what, that makes sense. Because if you come to DC and you're pastoring in DC, you have to know DC. If you don't know about GoGo, -Go, uh, you ain't gonna know nothing about DC. If you don't know about Snickerdoodles from Iverson, you don't know nothing. You don't know about chicken wings and mumbo sauce. And so it, it made me reflect. And this is what he said to me um, because his wife is from the DMV area. And I'm like, oh, that makes sense. Let me take time to learn the culture of Durham uh, and come to find out I'm sitting here trying to push them into worship and they love quartet. They love quartet and it never thought about me like, you know what, let me give them some quartet and have the musicians and band and choirs sing that. And when they, you start giving them what they love, it's like, oh my God, like they go slam in. And I never thought that, oh, just by learning their culture can make things so much better. And so I believe you must have people in your ear who one, want the best for you, but will tell you the truth. Um, and that's why I just thank God for all those who are in my corner and are able to share uh, and offer words of advice. Advice, Pastor Mellick. 
Okay. Uh, just y'all have already hit it. I, I want to just send a specifically, a specifically a shout out to uh, Bishop James Ver Davis. Um, uh, a lot of people assume that because of who my parents are uh, and how long they pastored Reverend Michael and, and Divide Thomas, that I just know it. Um, but I'm very honest and open about the fact that I need help uh, because, you know, I love my parents and I love the things that they did, but I don't want to pastor just like they pastored. I want to understand all the different perspectives. And Bishop Davis and Elder Braxton and Reverend Tony Lilly um, have been very, very helpful. Very, very helpful. Bishop Baxter McKenzie has been very helpful. Uh, but one of the things I want to do, I want to, I want to talk about this moment because I know that there will be people who are watching this who are on the fence about whether or not the AME Church is for them, uh, and whether or not um, this, like, how do they handle uh, this bishop? Bishop James Ver Davis to me is one of the best bishops. Uh, and I'm not just saying that because I don't blow smoke where there's no fire. Uh, but Bishop James Verde Davis um, is a bishop that you only get once in a generation. And what he's doing in this district is, is reminiscent of Bishop John Hurst Adams. Um, and and I, I really, I, I want to, I'm big on history. I want to just share what John Hurst Adams did. John Hurst Adams appointed Granger and Joanne Browning to Ebenezer. Uh, he appointed Lee P. Washington to Reed Temple. He appointed Harry L. C. Wright to Union Bethel. He appointed Jonathan Weaver to um, to Greater Mount Nebo. Appointed Michael uh, and Dubai Thomas to Hunter. Appointed uh, Vashon McKenzie uh, to Oak Street, becoming the first uh, woman to pastor in the city of Baltimore. Appointed Ann Lightner Fuller to Mount Calvary. Appointed Charles Simbley to Union Bethel in Randallstown. He he launched first uh, Manassas. He launched first Gaithersburg. He launched New Hope in Waldorf. A lot of who we are is because of what one bishop did in two quadrennials. And what we are seeing in Bishop James LeVert Davis is the same thing of what we saw with Bishop uh, John Hurst Adams. And so I am grateful. And this is what I'll say to add on to what both Pastor Roz and Pastor Akil have said, that we are living in the best time to be AME in the second Episcopal district. I promise you that we have a bishop who has a heart for productive and effective ministry, innovative ministry, even progressive theologically and socially. Uh, and he is willing to, and I remember hearing Bishop John Adams say this, that we tell these young people go to seminary, go to school, and when they get out, they're gonna do whatever, whatever is in their power uh, to make sure that they get an appointment that is uh, commensurate to their training. And I believe that Bishop Davis uh, has been a man of his word and has been true to his word when it has related to that. And so if you're on the fence about whether or not African Methodism is for you, I'm going to tell you, like Suge Knight said at the 95 Source Awards, if you're tired of, uh, of the Church of God in Christ or the Baptist Church, come on over to Death Row at the Second Episcopal District in the African Methodist Episcopal Church, where our Suge Knight is the right reference. James LaVert Davis, the 123rd elected and consecrated bishop in the African Methodist Episcopal Church. And that's on Tupac. Ladies and gentlemen, that is the, the first mic. time I have heard the Second Episcopal District and Death Row Records in the same sentence. Thank you for that, sir. You have just blessed my life indeed. I'm talking about, I am so blessed in this moment uh, by the shenanigans on this Zoom. Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> Doc, that was great. Um, but really, thank you for that history because, uh, so Bishop John Hurst Adams also talked about putting churches in the path of growth. And so he was also the one who saw what was happening with the demographic shift out of DC into Prince George's County. And if you look, a lot of those churches are moved from DC. So if you look, he, he was the one who helped move an Ebenezer out of Georgetown with 17 members to Fort Washington. And if you look just at, at where those, where, so it's not just who he put in place, but it was also the situation he put them in place and how he looked at what was happening and the demographic shift. And that's why I'm excited um, just to see kind of how he's putting you all. So he puts um, a, a Pastor Roz um, at Stevenson uh, up there in Sparks, but he puts a, an, a, a Pastor Akil and a Pastor Melick in North Carolina. But that's not just haphazard. He's not just throwing stuff around. He's looking at, okay, where are we seeing these demographic shifts, where are we seeing growth? Pastor Mullick, you already said uh, that when you look at your area, your area is one of the fastest growing kind of places in your region. Um, if you look at Durham and what's happening in the Raleigh-Durham area, um, and the kind of growth. And so if you look at all of that, um, it does show the significance of Episcopal leadership. Um, and so shout out um, to Bishop James Davis, shout out to the work he's doing. And once again, shout out to the opportunities he's given first-time pastors um, that, uh, or, or, or at least first time in the, in the AME system, um, pastors, amen, for private joke. Uh, <laughs> but for first-time appointments, um, the, the kind of things that he's doing and places he's putting folks um, has been incredible. Um, and so I do want to thank God. Look, we are done. We are finished. I want to give y'all like 30 seconds to a minute just for any last final statement you want to share. Um, this is the lightning round. Amen. This is the lightning round. And we will go by the way it is on my screen. Reverend Akil, Pastor, Pastor Akil, Pastor Ross, Pastor Mellick. I just want to say thank you for having us. It's been an honor. Thank you, Reverend Ross. Thank you, pa Pastor Malik. Pastor Ross, Pastor Malik. I'm truly honored. And thank you, Pastor Tony Lee. Uh, Malik earlier mentioned we all have taken something from you. Be positive. I can just say shake, run, and look, my brother. <laughs> Pastor Ross. Um, I just also just want to echo what Pastor Kiel said. Thank you so much, Pastor, for this opportunity um, to be a part of this and to just talk a little bit about pastoring in the pandemic. Um, I guess my final words is do it afraid and stand firm, stand true in your faith. Hold on to God's unchanging hand, knowing that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And also 2021 is the year of manifestation. Let's make it happen. Amen. Pastor Mellick. Of course, uh, thank you, uh, Pastor, uh, Pastor Tony, for this opportunity. I just want to share, and also to my uh, my siblings in ministry, it's an honor to be in ministry at the same time that you all are. I just want to, to share with uh, those who are watching, uh, particularly those who are members of the, of the African-American religious tradition, that uh, the temptation is for us to look at what other churches are doing, what other ethnic groups are doing with ministry. Uh, and think that because they are doing it with their money that was built upon years and years of economic injustice, that we need to do it like they are. But the reality of it is, to quote Alice Walker, we need to find our own mother's gardens. We need to find our own wells. That before there was a Stephen Furtick, there was a Tony Lee and a Jamal Bryant. 
before there was a Craig Rochelle, there was a Granger and Joanne Brown. We have our own wells, we have our own traditions, we have our own innovation that we can look to, that we can pull from, that has theology, that in the words of Dwight Hopkins gives us shoes that fit our feet. And I challenge you to find your own ancestors' voices and not listen to them through the interpreters of European thought. Thank you, sir. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, Pastor Akil Dickens of Emmanuel, uh, Pastor Rosalind Riley of Stevenson AME, uh, and Pastor Melick Taylor of the Bethel AME Church. We are grateful to God for them. And I am excited about the future of the kingdom of God. Um, I also feel old at the same time. Um, <laughs> as I'm sitting here uh, with these dynamic, amazing pastors. And I do know uh, the AME Church um, is heading for some wonderful, wonderful uh, things uh, because you all are in leadership. And so I salute you. I pray for you. And I just believe the best is yet to come for all of you and for the denomination because you all are standing on the wall in your communities. And so I just want to let y'all know we're proud, godly proud of the pastors you all are, but most of all of what's on the way. So bless y'all. We love y'all. Ladies and gentlemen, y'all come on back. Y'all check it out. Y'all know y'all can watch this on the podcast. Y'all can watch it wherever you're watching it because it's a gazillion places to watch this, listen to it. Uh, y'all can check it out. Uh, we always got the best because this is the Hope Labs where uh, this is the Hope Labs where thought, word, and deed come together. Bless you. <laughs>